You think the Monstars could guard KD? You are locked on Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are back with another season recap podcast. Today we're going to be looking at the Orlando Magic and team who is uh, continuing to struggle but hopefully they can turn that around soon as a bevy of young players hopefully start to develop and they hit on some of these draft picks. We've got lots to talk about in today's show. Let's get to it. To it. All right. As of recording, and a quick peek behind the curtain, I am recording a a bunch of these shows in advance because I am going to be heading overseas at some point, and I need to get a few of them banked up. Um, got to head to a to a wedding in Malaysia actually, uh, doing that in the next couple of weeks. So I've got to do a few of them in advance, get them banked up so that I've got shows to release when I'm away. So at the time of recording, the reason why I'm telling you this, the re- the time of recording for this Orlando Magic podcast, they do not have a new head coach. Frank Vogel was fired, and at this point, they haven't hired one. Now, by the time you're listening to this, they may have hired one. And if they have, I'll probably mention that at some point, maybe do a quick little podcast uh, just talking about that in particular, if it's something of note. But at this stage, there is no head coach in place, but there will be some sort of change happening there. Now, whether that means a change of style, a change of philosophy, that remains to be seen. But the Frank Vogel era is over in Orlando. In the draft, they've got two draft picks. They moved down one spot to pick number six, the same selection they had in 2017 where they picked John Isaac, and they also have pick 34 in the second round, a pretty decent selection that maybe they can get themselves an interesting player. Pick six, they're going to have options. Trey Young looks like he could be one of those guys there. Michael Porter um, also putting his hand up. Maybe it's Mo Bumba. Maybe Marvin Bagley slips. Seems unlikely, but I think with their real need at point guard, Trey Young could really be on the board here for this team. Maybe they really like a guy like Colin Sexton, although that feels like it would be a little bit too high. Now, or Porter could really work also for this team. So numerous options for the Magic there at pick six. In terms of free agency, some interesting decisions clearly with Aaron Gordon, who's a restricted free agent, clearly looks to be a part of their future. But Remember that the front office here in Orlando is not the same front office that drafted Aaron Gordon. Uh, Rob Hennigan is out. Jeff Waltman is in. So whether he values Gordon the same way remains to be seen. We know the front office really liked Alfred Payton. And this new front office came in and traded him away for a piece of shit, basically. Um, so look, there's not... There's no uh, loyalty. There's no justification of the pick that they made, pick number four a few years ago, to keep Gordon around. Now, the market is going to be tepid this season, whether Gordon can get any offer that's too big for the Magic. And I think if he got a large offer, the Magic might just say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. We'll see you later. We'll just move John Isaac into that spot. But if the market is is crushed for Gordon, which I think for and restricted free agents it generally is, that could be the case if they can get him at a decent deal. I think they'd be happy to have him back and see. Because he showed some flashes this season, dealt with injuries, uh, showed some progression in his game though. So he will be an interesting player to look at in terms of unrestricted. Oh, another restricted free agent they got is Jamal Artis, who played down the stretch as they were tanking their asses off. Um, yeah, not really huge amounts to say to him. I don't think he should be prioritized at all. 
Unrestricted free agents, Mo Spates and Azaflalo. I don't see why you would want to bring either of those guys back, so they're not going to have any impact. They were piss poor this season, and they have been for a while. But the other interesting one is uh, It's a Me, Mario Hazonia, who they foolishly, in my opinion, declined his fourth-year rookie option, making him an unrestricted free agent, and also making that they cannot offer him more than what he would have earned in that fourth year in unrestricted free agency, so any other team can come in and offer more. Now, Hazonia was key for this team. He improved in leaps and bounds, and he was shit out the year before. There's no doubt about that, but he was dealing with some injury there, but took massive steps forward this season, offensively, defensively, played. You know, He came across as a shooting guard, and they said, oh, he can play a little bit of point guard, but he played power forward the majority of last season and played it really, really well. So he is almost certain to be on a different team next season. Uh, and he had quite a good year. They've got three guys with non-guarantees in their deals. Shelvin Mack, uh, Ken Birch, and uh, Rodney Purvis. I thought Purvis showed little flashes. Uh, Birch, I thought, looked really good. And I think they'll be definitely guaranteeing his deal. As for Mack, obviously, they, the point guard strength is not high here with just DJ Augustin and Shelvin at this point. So they'd probably look to guarantee him depending on what happens uh, in free agency and in the draft. Their record from last season, they were 25 and 57, which was three underneath their expected win-loss. Yeah, not a massive amount of difference there. They played up-tempo, 11th in pace, which for a Frank Vogel team is fairly high, 25th in offensive rating and 18th in defensive rating. And if you remember back to the start of the season, they were the best team in the NBA, especially offensively, hitting an extraordinarily percent of their three-pointers, and their opponents were missing a massive amount of their threes. That clearly normalized, and the three-point percentage went back down, and they dropped back to being the uh, the old shit magic that we've expected for many, many seasons. They ended the season as the 28th best team in terms of three-point shooting, 35%, and 14th best in defending the three-pointer in terms of three-point percentage at... Um, allowing the opposition to shoot 36%. They also allowed the opposition to get off the eighth amount of most of, uh, that didn't even say that, the eighth most amount of three-point attempts. Um, so that was, that's a concern, allowing them to shoot that well and to shoot that many of them also is, uh, I guess, cause for concern. But nothing else stands out too much in terms of their overall numbers. They kept their opponents off the boards to a, to a decent degree. Turnovers sort of right in the middle of the pack in terms of causing them or, uh, or giving them away themselves. Really just consistent middle of the pack performance from the Magic in many different categories, apart from that up-tempo pace that they were, that they were running. So there is obviously you know, significant room for improvement with this team as uh, as they move forward with a new coach and with some new new players perhaps jumping in. In terms of individual offensive and defensive ratings, Ken Birch had the highest on this team, a little bit surprising there, but the best defensive rating went to another uh, young guy, and that's John Isaac. Not surprised. He was excellent as a defender coming in in his first NBA season, and that that was shown out. In terms of worst defensive rating, Aaron Aflalo and Rodney Purvis, no surprise. Worst offensive rating, Rodney Purvis. Just a, a horrendous showing in those two metrics for him. In terms of other advanced stat leaders, Nick Vucevic dominated these. He led the team in PER, box score plus minus, and VORP. DJ Augustin had the highest true shooting, which I think would surprise people at 62%. Most Spates, the highest usage at 27, which is nonsense. It should never have been the case that he was playing as many minutes as he was. 
Augustine led the team in win shares. Fournier in offensive box score plus minus and Isaac in defensive box score plus minus. Not things that would be too surprising, I think, to uh, neutral, casual, or even hardcore observers of this Orlando Magic team. Let's start by looking at some of these players. We'll start with Aaron Gordon, who played 58 games with those uh, those injuries that did plague his season. 33 minutes per game. Started off red hot shooting the three, but in the end, regressed down to be a 33.6% shooter. Average 17.6 points with eight rebounds. Still hit two triples per game. 2.3 assists, a steal, and 0.8 blocks. 43 and 70 as his other percentages for a well below average 53% true shooting. But it's a big step up from what he did the year before. Last season, he was at 29 minutes. This season, 33. Took his scoring up from 12.7 to 17.6. Double the amount of threes. An extra three rebounds per game. An extra 0.2 steals and 0.3 uh, blocks, and you can say, well, some of that's to do with minutes, but even on a per 36 minute basis, his steal rate went up, his rebound rate went up, his three pointers went up, his assists went up, pretty much every category. Points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, all increased on a per 36 minute basis. He also improved his three-pointers, which had been 27, 29, 29 across his first three seasons. Got them up to 34% this year, fueled in somewhat by a really hot start and over the last 20 games of the year was shooting just 31%, but still was able to get that efficiency up. But we don't like the fact that his two-point percentage dipped and his free throw percentage dipped to keep his overall efficiency and overall true shooting low. Sported by far the highest usage of his career at 25%. And I think uh, we saw enough out of him to suggest that, okay, he's still got room to grow. He is still very, very young. He is still only 22 years of age and will be heading into his fifth season. So there's a lot of room to grow, but he does need to work on uh, a lot of things, especially those defensive stats. The block rate is something that we we, you know, we hear it with DeAndre Ayton. Oh, the system in Arizona doesn't allow these guys to get high block numbers or high steal numbers. Well, Aaron Gordon was one of those guys that we said that about, and he hasn't been able to translate his uh, athletic production into actual shot blocking, which gives me a level for pause with Ayton being able to do that as well. Steal rate, not too bad for a big for Gordo, 1.3% in the 67th percentile. Still needs to work on his rebounding though, you know, while it was up, it's still not at the level that you want necessarily as a power forward. Doesn't get fouled as, uh, as much as, as what you would want as well. Probably needs to, to work on that. And his mid-range shooting was absolutely horrendous. 29% from mid-range, but finished at the rim at a, at a nice 69% rate. Giggity! Where does Gordo go from here? He was the 65th ranked player this season. He's clearly got top 50 potential because if he can, and it's a big if, but he has improved his blocks up to 0.8. If he gets that to 1.1, the steals to 1.2, the points from 17.5 to 19, you're talking about a comfortable top 50 guy. Get your percentage from 43 to 47, which is what you should be looking at as a power forward. Then, yeah, these are things that are very, very clearly within reach. But do they retain him? What team does he go to next? Will he be able to sport a 25% usage rate on a new team or a new environment? Does John Isaac jump ahead of him, who's already probably a better defender than him? Yeah, that's, that's, can they play together? Will Isaac play the three? Can he play the five? Will Gordo play the five? Probably not, considering how, uh, he's not that big and his, uh, his arms are a little bit short. But I still think that there is room for improvement with Gordon heading into next season. The best player on this team was Nick Vucevic from a fantasy point of view, at least 27 years of age, only 57 games again for Vuce, uh, a guy that has had injury problems throughout his career. 
under 30 minutes per game, but 16.5 points and 9 rebounds. Hit a 3 per game, 3.4 assists, a steal, and a block. He averaged a triple one, 48, 82, and 31 as his percentages with a 25.7% assist rate. He was the 34th ranked player overall this year. Played more minutes this year than last year after Vogel foolishly would play Bismack Biombo more than Vucevic last season, and he was able to increase his efficiency this season took himself from 0.3 triples per game to 1.1 and did that while improving his overall efficiency as well, which is an impressive thing. And last year, he had a really weird free throw percentage at 67%, took that back up to 82% this season. Big numbers there. He's never going to be a high shot blocker, always around that one mark. Steals at one per game, improved his assists, improved his rebounding. And he's still, like, he's only, he's 27, so he's right in the middle of his peak. But you just get the feeling that he is going to push back a little bit in terms of playing time, depending on what the new coach wants to do. Um, but there, you just get the feeling that they are sort of going to go away from him. He does have some limitations as a player. He's always rumored to be in the mix for, for trades. And look, if he plays 32 minutes, he is an easy top 30 guy. Easy. There's no question about that. He scores, he rebounds, rebounds, he gets steals, he gets blocks. Um, the free throw percentage is electric for a, for a big man. Yeah, it's really impressive stuff. Um, but will the minutes be there? That's that's always been the concern is how does the defensive limitations, how does that limit him? Now, defensively, box score plus minus, really strong for Vuce. A PER of 20, really strong. Good advanced numbers right across the board. And in fact, you know, you're looking at on-off numbers. He was second on the team behind Kem Birch at a plus 6.2, which is obviously you know, quite a strong number. As a Gordon came in at 4.9. It helps when your backup is absolutely horrendous, and that's Bismack Biombo, which is exactly what Biombo is. And Vooch is able to play you know, aside from him and, and get that benefit. But he was still he was still good this year. I thought really really good. And I, I do like Vucevic as a player as a general rule, especially for fantasy. Um, Evan Fournier, 26 year or 25 years of age. He played another 57 games. This Magic team again smashed by injuries, uh, to key players. 32 minutes per game, 18 points, two triples, three rebounds, three assists and 0.8 steals. 46 and 87 with 38% shooting from three. Yeah, there's nice numbers there. He was the 69th ranked player. Giggity! He scored well. He hit threes. It's his inability to do much in the rebounds, assists, and steals column that does limit his overall fantasy upside. But this is still the best season of Fournier's career by far. Got his efficiency back up from where it was last season. Um, his steal numbers did dip. He was at 1.2 and 1 the previous two years, but was able to jump those back up. Took his usage rate up a little bit, but was overall just more efficient. An extra two percentage points on his true shooting from this, from last season to this season. What do we see from him? I think that, I think that Fournier, and he missed the end of the season with that, with that knee injury. I think it was an MCL injury he had out, suffered on the 7th of March. He'll be fine to, to start next season. Um, I think that we look at him as being a starting shooting guard for this team again next season. I think he's far superior to John Simmons, who you know, we'll talk about soon. 
uh, and he should be in line for another top 100 season with a plus 20 usage and a 16 to 17 point, two three-pointer, three rebound, three assists, one steal, like around those numbers is what you expect. Absolutely fine. A relatively strong rotisserie player for having yeah, nice enough contributions in most categories and, and a solid late draft scoring type of a, of a guy who doesn't necessarily wow you in any area, but does put up some pretty, uh, pretty strong, uh, ish numbers. Defensively, he does struggle quite a bit. That's the, uh, the drawback from him, but they don't have all that many options to replace him. He still it looks, tracks pretty well in most advanced numbers. Also with that high usage, decently high efficiency of 58%. When you compare it to what Gordo was doing at 53, it looks stellar. Can handle the ball, played some point guard last season, which isn't something we had really seen from him all that often, according to, um, when to basketball reference, he didn't play any minutes at point guard, but that's bullshit because he did. Uh, he definitely was handling the ball at times on this team when they were running no point guard lineups. And he did it, I thought, uh, relatively, uh, relatively successfully. Let's talk about that bloke who I did just reference, and that is John Simmons, who started a chunk of games for this team due to injuries to Terrence Ross. 50 games out of the 69 games that he played, he started 29 minutes per game, 13.9 points, a three, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 0.8 steals, 47 from the field, 77 from the line, and 34% from three. And all that gave you is the 155th best fantasy player. He's just not very good. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on Simmons. He looks flashy. He looks sexy. He throws down big dunks and has occasional big blocks. And it's all highlights. And it's like, oh, Simo. Just not that good. He's just, he just is a bad shooter. He can't hit threes. He handles the ball at times. He makes poor decisions a lot of the time. Yeah, realistically, he's not a, not a great player. Uh, a fairly high turnover rate for a wing. Yeah, he's probably handling the ball a lot more than, than, uh, than other wings with the fifth highest assist percentage on this team. Uh, sorry, fifth highest usage on this team and sixth highest assist percentage. But still, you know, when your, your turnover percentage is higher than your assist percentage, that's, that's a, a negative. Defensively, he gives off that effort, but still a negative defensive box score plus minus is, uh, is not a strong number. He was a negative 4.3 in on off metrics, which is not a good thing. So he's more like a Russell Westbrook type defender who looks like a defender, gives the effort of a defender. He's muscly. He's athletic. But in the end, is he actually very good? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think he's a good player. This was by far the best season of his career. He averaged six points per year, per game for the Spurs last year, almost doubled his minutes and, and took that scoring way up. And his per 36 scoring was up. His per 36 three pointers were up, but he saw a dip in his blocks, his steals, his assists. They all dipped. Um, but impressively, while that usage and minutes went up, his, uh, his percentages were able to increase from 50% true shooting from San, on San Antonio up to 55 and a half on a usage of 22%. Now, Simmons is 28 years of age and will turn 29 at the start of the NBA season. So that's obviously, yeah, decently, uh, decently old for a guy who just had his best, uh, best season of his career. But I, I don't, I don't really rate this guy. You've heard me talk about it all the time. His steal rate is just not high enough. He, you know, he doesn't rebound the ball well. He's like a less efficient and worse Evan Fournier. Um, and you know, from a fantasy point of view, they, you know, three rebounds, three assists, doesn't hit anywhere near enough threes, which would give him that big bump. The scoring is only at 14 points per game. 
I just don't view this. And I know I'm being overly negative here on John Simmons, but I know that he has a narrative out there as being this excellent guy that can do everything. He can defend four positions and he can play point guard and he can do all this when in reality he can't. I don't think he can anyway. He has these games where he goes, shit, like the second last game of the, um, of the season for, for Simo against the Bucks. He had 35 points with seven triples and four rebounds. And you go, holy shit, like that's great. The game before he had 10 points with one rebound and that's it. And that's sort of what he is. Now, he did show improvement this season. He showed some big scoring games, a 34-pointer against Cleveland, a 23-point game against the Wizards, a big chunk of three 20-pointers in a row in December against the Nuggets, the Hawks, and the Clippers, an eight-assist game in there, a seven-assist game, a four-steal game in that in a 19-point performance against the Thunder. Some big performances from Simmons, but he goes missing far too often. He just isn't creative enough. He's not good enough with the ball in his hands, and he doesn't make good enough decisions that when you get these other players performing and when Terry Ross is back next season with John Isaac playing more minutes at the three, there's a chance that Simmons doesn't actually get the 29 minutes per game that he played this season as we head into next season. I think that's a, a realistic expectation, and I think there is no chance he's a top 100 player. And we will see him get drafted, I'm certain, next year around that 110 mark. And to me, it'll be one that I'm just not interested in, depending on what happens, of course, throughout this um uh, upcoming off season, DJ Augustine um, ended up playing uh, a bigger role than we expected after Alfred Payton got traded. He had been up and down during a lot of Frank Vogel's tenure. I thought they played him too much at times when Payton was there, and then when Payton left, they didn't play him enough. But over the end of the season, he was strong. The 101st ranked player in the last 25 games averaged 13, two and a half, and five with two triples on an excellent 49% and 89 from the line. He shot 42% from three this season, 45% from the field. By far his most efficient season in the NBA with 62% true shooting and really did provide value for fantasy owners down the stretch when he was given that starting role and given the big minutes which we hoped he would get when he started. Now, of course, this team doesn't have a point guard at this point. They would clearly like to prioritize one through the offseason, drafts, trades, free agency, whatever it is, and that would push DJ back to a bench role. But if he comes in and he is the starting point guard and he's playing 30 minutes a night, yeah, he's a fantasy-relevant player. He is 30 years of age already, um, 30 years and six months So it's not like he is young, but it's also not like he's over the hill. You might be able to get one season out of him as a top 100 guy, depending on on who else comes in for this team. But there is just so much uncertainty with that for Augustine. And it's almost assuredly going to last just one season, if that. Strong numbers, strong advanced numbers, good offensive box score, plus minus, good win shares, strong PR, good true shooting. But defensively, he does let himself down, which is not surprising given that he is an undersized point guard and point guards can often struggle there. But he was a steadying veteran presence for this team. And you know, I thought that he probably exceeded expectations uh, by the end of the year. Mario Hazonia is a guy we talked about already. Clearly his best year, 22 minutes, 10 points, 3 rebounds, 1.2 triples, 1.1 steals on 44 and 82 for a true shooting of 55 compared to the disaster that was the year before. That's a big step forward, but he's not going to be on this team next season. He had monster stretches of being a top 100 guy when he was getting starts. In fact, his last six games of the year, he scored in double digits in all of those. Big rebounds, got assists, got steals, block shots, was really, really impressive. 
impressive. And per 36, his year looks good. 15 and a half and six, two threes, almost two steals and 0.7 blocks. They are really good numbers. Now, you put him on a, a team that needs wings, and everyone really needs wings, and he gets 26 minutes a night. That's a 16-team league sort of a player, a top 150, a top 120 potential guy. Look, he was 160th this year in just 22 minutes. And over the last 12 games of the season, he played 30 minutes per game, and he was ranked 69th. Giggity! An average 13-5-2 with two threes, 1.6 steals, and 0.8 blocks contributing right across the board. And that's really useful. So he is a guy that I think there's probably a 10% chance that he is a top 100 guy next year. But it's better than many other guys, many other options of guys that will have that opportunity because he showed enough. He showed he can play up. He can do big man stuff, rebound and block shots. He can get steals still and he can pass and he can shoot threes. So if he's pushed into a role where it is bigger, now I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think he's going to be signed to become a starter for any team, but he is going to be, he's not old, he's 23 years of age, he's got plenty of time to continue to grow. I think in a deeper dynasty, he's a he's a really strong investment, a player that you can look to and go, well, I saw plenty from Hazonia this season that gave me encouragement. This is why he was drafted at this level, and he's starting to, to step it up and put up some, some strong numbers. Defensively, I thought he held up okay. Uh, Shooting-wise, it could lead to a little bit of improvement, but was, was solid there. A yeah, decent assist percentage for a power forward, strong blocks and steals numbers. Really hard to fault you know, massive amounts of what Mario was able to do this year. In fact, for a forward, he was in the 92nd percentile in terms of steal rate. Yeah, it's obviously really impressive. 62nd percentile in terms of um, uh, block rate. You know, really able to put up some uh, some strong numbers. Shot the mid-range well, 40% on his mid-range. Still you know, lacking from deep, but uh, in the overall, an impressive season from Mario Hazonia. Johnny Isaac, I spoke about him in part two of the 2017 NBA draft recap. You can go back and listen to, um, listen to that. He only played 27 games this year due to recurrent ankle injuries, but we talked about in the Dallas Mavericks uh, season review podcast, the ability to get steals and blocks can be awesome for fantasy. And that's what this guy is. He is a two steal, two block potential player averaged in only 20, under 20 minutes per game this year. He averaged 1.2 steals and 1.1 blocks. Over two steals and blocks uh, per 36 minutes this year. Um, shooting was poor, but did start to come on at the end of the year, especially shooting from deep where he shot 39% across his last 12 games. You do that, and then you can bring yourself being a 15, 16 point per game scorer. He is a strong rebounder, or he was a strong rebounder in college, but played a little bit out of position this year. He does have top 50 upside. Um, and we saw flashes of that. Just that injury of that ankle was really bothersome this year. So hopefully he can get that right and that is not uh, an ongoing problem. Terry Ross is another guy whose season was cut pretty short, just the 24 games for Ross with a significant knee injury, a fracture and a ligament tear in the knee. 25 minutes per game, 8.7 points, 1.3 triples, 1.1 steals, and shot the ball poorly. Pretty much he is a guy that I don't think is going to be a standard league guy again, even if he ever was. He can hit you threes, can get you two threes a game, he can get you a steal per game, uh, and that's all great, but he just doesn't do anything in any other area, and there are plenty of options. There's Troy Daniels that can do that sort of shit. There's guys everywhere who can get you two threes and maybe a steal per game, so I'm not really holding out massive amounts of hope for Terry Ross. Um, especially with Simmons there, with Isaac playing some of those minutes as well, as he's not going to be working in to a uh, large or significant role on this team, I don't think at any point in the future. 
Shelvin Mack played 69 games, 20 minutes, 7 points, uh, 4 assists, 2.5 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 43 and 71. Yeah, they're, they're okay numbers. There's nothing overly exciting about what Shelvin Mack can do. Sometimes when he's forced into larger roles, he can be effective. But he had that opportunity once Peyton was traded. Didn't really take full grasp of it. He played okay. Had a couple of decent games, a couple of double-digit assist performances from him. But overall, it wasn't spectacular. And I think they would like to be able to move Shelvin back to being a third string point guard. He's 28 years of age at the moment. Um, he's going to be on this team for, I think he's non-guaranteed. So I would assume they pick that up, but maybe not at 6 million, that there could be other guys that they look for uh, in that role. So there's very little to, I think, look for for him as we move forward. Bismack Biombo, just look, honestly, he, he's not good. 26 years of age, 82 games, 18 minutes, 6 and 6 he averaged with 1.2 blocks, 52% from the field and 65% from the line, but he just doesn't do anything. He never gets assists. He doesn't get steals. He can't shoot from the line and he actually gets there a little bit too much and it makes him you know, quite a big negative in that area. He's just never going to be a guy who has any semblance of offensive skill that's going to be able to keep him on the court. And that's he's just not going to get the playing time that way. And even defensively, he dropped off, I think, relatively significantly this season. He wasn't horrendous. He was still able to do some stuff defensively. But a negative 12.3 on-off is really, really poor, and his offense is just atrocious. His box score plus-minus defensively was still 2.1, which is good, but you, you can't make that when you're just a complete negative on offense, and your team's already um, limited offensively w- with spacing, and you're just there when no one has to guard you. Yeah, that, That's a real problem uh, for this team, and, and yeah, he's obviously locked into an extraordinarily high contract. He blocks shots at a good rate, but just doesn't rebound well enough, doesn't do anything well offensively. And it is, of course, a big issue. Can't really finish at the rim that well. 67% is not ideal for a big man. No ability at all to shoot, uh, to shoot mid-range shots whatsoever. Just doesn't, doesn't do that. But weirdly, 36% of his shot attempts were mid-range shots, which seems nonsense to me. I don't know why he's not taking 80% of his shots at the rim. He should be doing way more of that. So that's poor shot selection from Bismack. Mo Spates, 31 years of age, 13 minutes, 7 points and 3 rebounds. Shot horribly, took way too many shots. Nonsense coaching, nonsense shot selection. And if he is not in the NBA next season, I wouldn't be stunned. Because honestly, with the way he played, he doesn't really deserve it. It's just, it's absolutely horrendous in terms of uh, shot selection and knowing what you need to be able to do on a team. And defensively, he is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. That's why I wanted Ken Birch to get those minutes. I thought Birch was impressive. 26 years or 25 years of age, 14 minutes, four and four. He averaged half a steal, half a block, 54 and 69 as his percentages for a true shooting of 58%. Birch had been playing in Europe, but came back with a PR of 16. Yeah, that's you know, strong, strong win shares, good defensive stuff. Offensively, I thought he was okay. And he, and he was a positive for me for this season, led the team in on off in his 578 minutes as a positive 6.3 player. Uh, I would hope that he could move in, or at least, you know, Spates doesn't come back and he's in that role. And there are plenty of times where I'd prefer to see him play over Bismack Biombo. Can do stuff defensively and can provide a little bit more offensively. And personally, I want him to play that role ahead of Biombo. They're the same age. And I think Birch probably is a little bit more, um, a little bit more interesting as a prospect. Where's a Wundu? Talked about him in one of the, uh, last of the draft recap shows. He played more than I expected, 62 games, 17 minutes, 
didn't really do anything to get me excited. Then they had Jamal Artis and Rodney Purvis, who played roles down the end of the season, shot the ball horrendously, 28% from three for Artis and 25% for Purvis, under 40% from the field for both guys. No steals, no blocks, no assists, no rebounds, basically just jacking shots and not hitting them. So very little for me to get interested there. And Aaron Aflalo at 33 years of age, he is just not good at all at this point in his career, um, really, really struggles and really you know, should not be on a roster next season. A PER of 5.8 and negative 5.8 box score plus minus. This should all be giving you uh, an idea. The wor- only worse players than him were Artis, were Purvis, and were Rashad Vaughn, who played uh, five games for this team and had a PER of one. And he is horrendous, and he should not be in the NBA either. And that, I think, wraps it up for the Orlando Magic Five-star rating would be excellent for this podcast. Go leave a review as well and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Smash the red subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up and follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Check out LockedOnSports.com, the home of all of the Locked On Podcast Network podcasts and articles. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Evan Fournier.